Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. And again, we both work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we've got an exciting guest coming on today. we got some real estate stuff to talk about, as always. So, Sarah, why don't you let us know how your week's been going? I mean, fill us in. It's been kind of a interesting week in the market here, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely um, it's it's off to a, a big start here. Um, lots of showings, stuff, stuff uh, coming available, and... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of activity. So we we'll hit on that uh, a little later in our second segment when we talk about what's going on with Wells Fargo because I think that's indicative of what we're seeing. But what we want to start with first is that uh, every year, uh, and again, we're streaming streaming live on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Just Google Tom Tool Sales Group. Um, every year, uh, Stefan Swanpole he runs an organization called T Three Sixty. It's a, they kind of like rate the real estate brokerages and kind of assess who's who in, in the real estate industry. And they come out with a top 200 influential leaders in the real estate industry. And the, the list dropped last week. Uh, number one was Gary Keller, co-founder of Keller Williams. I think now he's like chairman of the board after serving as CEO. Um, Glenn Sanford was number two with EXP, uh, EXP Realty. Ryan Schneider, uh, CEO of Realogy, who runs companies like Cobalt Bank or Century 21, was number three. Uh, Gina Bufari, who I know, this is first, I actually know this guy, so that was exciting. He was number four with Home Services. That's Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, Compass CEO was number five. Rich Barton, number six from Zillow. So on and on and on, right? So what I wanted to get from you, Sarah, is that I, I think there, there's there's trends that I see more so than who's who, because all these people are pretty influential, right? Like it's not, I, I don't think there's a big difference between one and three. Um, in terms of how influential they are, it just might be who's more influential at the time. So, what do you think about this list, and, and what do, what do you think it it it, it uh, sums up in terms of like the state of the real estate industry right now? I think it's kind of pointing towards good leadership, um, and and um, just being able to come through this last you know two years. I mean, I know the rankings here is just for the past year, but mm -hmm. being able to, to pull through uh, this pandemic and, and keep things moving. Um, you know, I think it had, it had mentioned that like Gary Keller, like he wasn't in the news for a ton of, of crazy things. Um, he just kept things going steady um, and, and kept people, people growing and people on pace. I, that's a great observation. And, and, you know, Gary Keller, when the pandemic hit, I mean, he he was pretty clear coming out and saying that, hey, you might think you can go all digital all the time, but guess what? It's not going to go that way. And I would say we're seeing that more now than ever, especially heading into 2022. So that's that's a great observation. Um, what what I saw here were, were a couple things. One, this is a little crazy to me that, that this list came out and then Adam Contos like resigned from the CEO of Remax last week and he's number nine on yeah, the list. He was on so it. obviously they weren't in the know. So I mean, we might need to throw him out of there, which I, I thought was just, just interesting in, in general. Um, and I've got some other thoughts about that that we, we can talk about in a little bit. What, what I see here though is I know last year was very tech heavy in like the top 10 or 15. And this year you really have. Um, Zillow's the one tech company I see up here in, in the top 15. And then also, CoStar, that guy made the biggest jump on the list. He went from, I think, like number 96 last year up to number 15 because mm -hmm. they bought Homes.com and they've basically declared war on Zillow. So that tells me that 
And, and Stefan's a smart guy. If you, if you don't know who Stefan Swanpole is, he, he, he's like the most unbiased person ever and comes out with a report that's like hundreds of pages thick about all the brokerages in the country, everything else uh, that's out there. So I think that's some foreshadowing uh, that we're going to see some sort of I don't know what's going to happen with those two companies, but the, everyone's kind of anticipating this like war of them going at each other, and that that's a pretty good observation by Stefan there. So, uh, and any other trends you see coming out of the list? Anything in particular that jumped out at you, Sarah? Well, I mean, it was just it was interesting that Rich Barton with Zillow went from number one last year to number six. I mean, obviously he's still very high up in the rankings. Um, I think probably the i buying um, had something to do yeah. with that with that drop. You think? <laughs> Although he still comes in one ahead of uh, Eric Wu with Open Door, who um, you know they do they they do a lot of of i buying and and have part of that market cornered. Um, but I mean, I would say that that drop definitely jumped out. Um, but yeah, a lot of the the top people here seem to be appearing. As you had mentioned, not as I mean, a lot of them, they use tech. They're very ahead of the trends. But, um, you know, for leadership and for, um, you know, for really being able to to pull through. Well, and you look at what's happened in the real estate industry over the past 18, 24 months. And a lot of that is a lot to do with the leadership of these companies, because we've seen that. I mean, that there's a lot of these companies have had, you know, I mean, there's been some disruptors in there. You call Redfin a disruptor to a certain extent, maybe a little bit of a tech company because their website's so great. Uh, but you also have disruptors like Compass, EXP. I mean, those are people that are coming in and really pushing the envelope for uh, what we've seen in, in terms of uh, agent recruitment, different ways to compensate people. So I thought that would, that was pretty interesting. Um, one thing I, I, I got to say here is I don't understand why there's no team leads on this. This is all about companies. And I would argue that some of these companies, once you get like down the list, like not the first ten or fifteen, and there's some other people on there, like you know, like Tom Ferry's on there, and um, there, you know, some some of like uh, the Boomtown CEOs on there, and some of these other like the, the MLS CEOs. I am surprised there's not more team leads on here because some of these brokerages that they're um, they're putting on there, they actually kind of run like a team. I just don't, I don't know how you include a list. It doesn't have one team leader on there, given right. the trends in the industry. I mean, am, am I off base here? I mean, I might be a little biased. I'll be the first one to say that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, thinking, you know, taking that piece of information, Sarah. I mean, you know, process that a little bit and and and, and let's react. Yeah, I mean, I think that if they so it said earlier in the article that they spent like five hundred hours, yes. I believe, digging through to to pull these these different names. So I would think when you're committing that much time to it and looking at it in that much detail, it would be pretty apparent that some team leads are, you know, really hitting the mark and and pushing things ahead above of, you know, maybe who they're ranking on here or what higher up people they're they're mentioning. If you kind of whittle it down and really look at it, I think the team leads really push the envelope. And, you know, I'm I'm surprised that there aren't anyone there. Yeah, I, it. And, and the reason I say that is I'm not I'm not obviously these brokerages and, and a lot of them I mean they're, they're they're smaller brokerages when you get kind of down the list I mean but they have companies like AdWorks on here and Commissions Inc and then some of the more boutique brokerages like Hilton and Highland out in California so at, at Boomtown's on here uh, you know another tech company Inman News all, all those places I just I don't get that you can say these are the most influential people there's got to be one team lead that's going to crack the top two hundred right right I wonder if they just weren't if they just kind of ruled that out as a category that they were even looking at. <laughs> let's let's see what the list says. So, hmm. Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't really give us a lot of good information. But what I so while we're looking at that, let's also look at kind of last year's list and the changes, right? So Ron Peltier, he was number one in twenty twenty, uh, not twenty twenty one, and now he's obviously been replaced by Gino Bafari. Um, Rich Barton was number one last year, dropped down to number six. Um, Gary Keller was number two. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing that it, it's kind of the same people over and over again that are kind of g- going in this top list. But, I, you know, I, I just don't get, like, I don't understand what makes someone number one versus number two. Like, I get why Zillow dropped, but, I mean, you're, you're I'm a little more tuned into this than you are. So, you know, how do you think they, they actually come up with this? And, and would you say that some of these people are actually, you would rank them ahead of each other or just kind of put them all in one group? So I would assume that they're looking at a couple different areas um, and maybe one of them just being like headlines and some clickbait stuff. Not that that would, <laughs> you know, put them up to to number one, but um, probably like how often they're appearing, appearing in the news, um, whether or not they are, you know, in a in a fight with another brokerage or, you know, um, production, I'm sure would have to have something to do with it. Um and as far as the tech people that are getting in there, I mean, just if you're if you're innovative and uh, have put out some helpful tools <laughs> over the past year. So here, here's the here's how they come up with the legend of this. So it's either a brokerage or a franchise, organized real estate. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, tech services, other services, the watch list, and outside influencers. So I would imagine there's there's some team leads that could probably filter in there, and then they have eight criteria. Uh, that they that they look at here to determine all this. So, I mean, this is kind of more of like a like a who's who than anything else. I mean, you go through and look at like the uh, the watch list or the um, outside influencers, but th- they do have here's the criteria guidelines. So I, I want to kind of get your your take on this too. So um, they have and they have kind of different rounds of what they look at here. So the the first is that they do an initial cut. They look at prominent leaders and C-suite executives of large brokerages and organizations that support and serve the residential real estate brokerage industry. Um, and you have to get nominated, and it's about 3,000 people. Then, round two, they review each of these. The office that the person holds and the decision-making power of the office. So this makes a little more sense now. Um, the tenure with the company and tenure in real estate brokerage industry. Um, so you can't just be in the real estate industry for 40 years, which makes a lot of sense for a lot of stuff we talk about. The size of the organization, uh, the financial resources of the organization, the organization's overall significant scope and impact, large initiatives, expansions, acquisitions, and other ner- noteworthy activities, and other leadership activities. And then they go through and verify everything like five different times. They call it triple checking. So okay. I guess that makes a little more sense that, that why there's there's not any teams in there. So what what do you, you, you know, be, being someone that's in the industry, and then we can kind of move on to our, our next thing here while we wait for our guests to come in, is, uh, I mean, what, what kind of stock do you take in this, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're an agent, right? You're on a team. I mean, you've been doing this a few years now. Are you like, wow, this is like really impressive? Like, what do you, what do you see as someone inside the industry, or maybe as an outsider, a couple of years ago, if we were to talk about this? Um, I mean, I would say it, you know, it's it's relevant. It's it's good to look through and see who's being recognized for what. Um, I mean, as far as it like trickling down to affect any way that I'm actually running my business or or working with my clients, I don't think there's a direct impact there, but it is 
you know, I think it's a nice way to recognize who's been doing what throughout the year um, and, you know, kind of highlight them for achievements that that they've hit or or ways that they've improved things throughout the year. And I mean, I'm sure especially over the past couple years, um, just with how difficult, you know, many aspects of of <laughs> everyone's job yes. has been, um, you know, it's it's got to feel good for these people who are getting recognized for for pushing through and for um, making improvements or or helping out other realtors and and pushing things along. So this year, 23% of the list is made up of women. Um, now, last year, it was 19%. So I think that that's a real positive, seeing more women leadership, especially in real estate, where there's more women in real estate in general than men. Um, and that number comes from, I mean, it's 67% of NAR members are women. So I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad to see more women leadership. I think that's really critical. Uh, and that, that that's one of the other takeaways that I have is that, un- unfortunately, that's something that has to be constantly evaluated. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that they're including some of these like up and comers and, and who's coming up the list. I, I still don't get how Adam Contos is on here. They didn't know he was resigning. I mean, that just blows my mind. <laughs> I, I, and so uh, otherwise, I mean, uh, you know, what this tells me is that the same companies are in play here. There's the same players. I don't think anything's really changed with the exception of CoStar emerging as a real tech threat. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I see here that could end up empowering consumers with HomeSnap and, and everything else. So anything else you want to add on here? Um, no, I guess just um, it is interesting. You know, that's great that, um, you know, more women are being recognized here. But the the first woman to appear on the list doesn't pop up until number 10. <laughs> I, I agree there. I think I think that's kind of an issue. And, you know, a lot of these guys, I think I think hold on to their jobs too long. I mean, Gary Keller, I mean, he's been like retiring for years now. Right. And then right. he doesn't like the way it's getting run and he takes the job back. And, and I think that, you know, that that that's the sign of a company that may not be able to stay great for a long time because they don't have leaders in, in like in the queue coming up here. Um, so I, I, do, I do agree with you there because it means basically the same guys were on the list last year. Right. Um, now it's, you know, and now I, I know um, um, uh, the, the woman who runs Howard Hanna, um, her, uh, is it Hadi? I don't even know how to pronounce her name. I mean, she's been in, she's been with that company a long time. So, I mean, it's, it's good to say, and they're, they're a pretty large brokerage, but then besides that, uh, and then you see, uh, you know, Susan, uh, the president and CEO of Realogy, and then you see some other people kind of pop up here down the list. Uh, Susan Daimler from the president of Zillow Group. So there are some people that are that are kind of emerging. But I, I think that's something that you know, given that sixty-seven percent of agent or of, of the NAR members are women, you'd hope there'd be more women that make it up this list in the future. Right. Well, and it is also interesting that for the number ten here with uh, Helen Hanna. Um, it specifically, you know, is mentioning that they picked a bone with Compass over recruiting tactics. Um, so I wonder if that is something that that pushed them up higher or um, I just thought that was interesting that that was included in there for their little bit. I mean, there's a lot of people that picked a bone with Compass on recruiting. Right. I mean, there's a couple of lawsuits going on. You know, I mean, that that's a whole nother thing that I mean, we could have a whole segment on that. So sure. and, and it actually says in Robert Refkins that um, they've. Uh, They've incited many rivals of the way they've recruited people, um, whether it was Keller Williams, um, you know, EXP, Realogy. I mean, there, there was a lot of people that the, and, you know, for, for good reason. I mean, they were, you know, the, the the lawsuits allege that they were being told to violate their employment contracts. So, I mean, I don't think right. that's a good I mean, that that's a whole can of worms that we'll unpack <laughs> another time. So that might be a good spot to break here. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some news coming out of Wells Fargo about their mortgage production fading 
And then we'll come on and have Vince Pagano come on with Pagano Tax. He's going to give us some tax advice in, the, in regards to the real estate world. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. And again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And the show is streaming live on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Just look up the Tom Tool Sales Group. And what we want to talk about next here, uh, before we get to our uh, third segment with Vince Pagano from Pagano Tax, and he just texted me, so I'm glad he's on his way because I always get nervous that we're not going to be ready. So... Um, <laughs> Wells Fargo had some news drop about them, and they were they were the biggest provider of purchase loans. And last year, they made twenty seven percent fewer loans to home buyers. And I mean, th- this is pretty shocking news to me because, um, and and that was a that that was an eight percent fall in production. So even though it's twenty percent less, it was an eight percent fall in production um, because it was few twenty seven percent fewer loans and. They also closed 270 branches and laid off 1,600 employees to cut costs. So what do you think about all this, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, that is that is a significant, those are significant numbers. Um, so it goes on to kind of talk about, you know, while these different cuts have been made, they are still going to rely heavily on um, their franchises in order to, to keep business moving forward. Um, I think it does speak to people using local lenders um, more now than maybe they had in the past. Um, when you when you rely on big banks, um, if you're trying to when you're trying to get to the settlement table, um, a number of different things can can pop up throughout that with a smaller lender um, tend to tend to go smoother and with a local person who knows the area and knows and knows what's going on. Um, you know, I think Oftentimes with these big banks, you are just kind of a, a number in there. And, you know, they're they're working through all of the different 
um, pieces. But with a local lender, I've just found them to be able to, you know, maybe rate shop a little bit more or um, use some of their local knowledge to to know what needs to get done in different townships and different areas to kind of overcome hurdles before they become a, a huge problem that then you're, you know, you're tight on time and you're in a crunch. I, I could not agree with you more on this. I mean, this has been going on for years where I know there are tons of agents in the industry where they say Wells Fargo is the worst. Like they'll, they'll literally say that. And, and there's a couple problems that we run into. One, a lot of them are on the West Coast. So you have this like three hour delay, which is why agents should never set schedule a morning settlement ever for, for this very specific reason. But but even even with that in mind, is it, it, it's such a segmented process and meaning that you, your application gets taken by one person. Then they say, well, I sent it to the underwriters. And then the underwriters are like these mythical people that don't exist that you can never get a hold of. And ultimately what happens is like they, they blame it on them because the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. They yep. can only go in the system and look at it. And it, it, it's a whole issue. So this to me is consumer pushback on why they – because there's more homes that sold last year than the year before, right? Yep. Um, and you know, what, what I know is that anytime we've had like one of these big banks and you could put them all in the same category, if you ask me, bank of America, chase Wells Fargo, and I'm sure there's some great people that work at these places. This is not a people problem. It's a systems problem. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you know, we work with a lot of local lenders. You can actually talk to somebody on the phone. Yep. You can actually get them to answer the question and, you know, and, and they see the gray area with these loans sometimes because, even with you know some of the some of these jumbo loans that a lot of bigger banks kind of specialize in, they they don't see the gray area. They don't understand things and they can't process it appropriately. So to me, th this is a big deal that it's uh, and I think you're going to see more and more of this because the consumers are demanding better right now from from the lending industry. So you know, knowing that's the case, uh, and I would also say there's probably a lot more competition too. I mean, look at what Rocket Mortgage is doing right now. I mean, they're really pushing. To, be, to overtake Wells Fargo was number one. So there, there's a little bit of that going on too. So, Well, and touching on that also, I mean, in terms of getting answers, when you're in some of these transactions, like no matter what stage of it that you're in, there's deadlines that you need to, that you need <laughs> to hit. So even if it, you know, you know, you're not settling for several more weeks, if there's stuff in flux there, you need answers and you typically mm -hmm. need them quickly. And what I found with the big banks is typically you're you're reaching out and maybe you do have a contact who is getting back to you, you know. And again, as you said, it's a, a systems problem. Yeah, not a people yeah hurt exactly. Necessarily. So, um, you know, they are getting back to you, but they're they're not hearing back on the next piece. And they're and so many times it's come to now my manager has to get involved. But the amount of time that has to go by until the manager gets involved, mm -hmm. you're just you're wasting you're wasting hours, days and um and then if you come back with an answer that isn't a good one and more work needs to be done or more issues need to be figured out and there's, you know, different different steps that are now getting added added to this, um, you've just wasted you've wasted time. And that's what you can't afford to waste in, in a lot of these uh, transactions. Well, well, think about I mean, there's, there's a couple offshoots to that point. One is. What these mortgage companies, they don't seem to care about is that people have like movers lined up and they have mm -hmm. all these things scheduled or. Let's say they're just late getting you the mortgage commitment letter and they don't think it's a big deal. What these guys don't realize is that if you miss that mortgage commitment date in Pennsylvania, the seller can terminate the agreement of sale. So you're buying a house, you and Eric, right? Mm -hmm. And you say, we're going to use Wells Fargo. We got a friend there and they don't deliver the mortgage commitment on time. 
And let's say the seller got a backup offer, right? Inventory's tight. This is a very real scenario. And all of a sudden, I have to call you as your agent and say, hey, Sarah, I got some bad news because your lender missed a date and we didn't get an extension signed. You've now lost the house and you're out of the deal. How are you going to feel about that? I'm going to be pissed. Yes, I, I would imagine, right? And so that's what a lot of people don't get, that, that there's there's real-time repercussions. And the lenders just don't seem to give a crap. I mean, that's real. They, they just say, oh, well, we're working on it. We're getting to it. It's in the underwriters. There's no let me accelerate this, or they don't have the ability to. And that that's one of the reasons why I'm clear a lot of consumers have gone away from big banks like this. Right, or it's very lackadaisical of like, oh, it's being, we'll get it to you tomorrow, yep. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, like, it's due today. So now if you're if you're not going to have it until tomorrow, then I need to send out a change in terms and I need to have it all signed off on that mm-hmm. this is the new date or else, you know, we're we're not within the contract. Um and then if the next day comes and they don't have it, like you can't just keep on sending extensions cuz that pisses people off yeah. as well. Well, and and some sellers might say, "Hey, you know what? We had a better offer that came in after we signed with you guys." Or they're just they're they're sick of it. I mean, there's so many emotions at play that that come into play here, and the banks don't think about that stuff. So that that's been a big miss for these larger banks. Then closing on time. I mean, you know, arranging movers, or mm-hmm. maybe you have to you're selling your house in the morning and close. Like you might yep. not have a house to move into. I mean, this is the stuff that happens. So you know, to, I'm not surprised by this. I'm glad to see the consumers actually push back and pull like pull their business from banks like this because that that's really the only way to send the message. It's like when other stuff's going on, you either have to like get involved at a local level or do something else, which most people don't want to do. So the consumers actually did the right thing here. Um, so and it, it, Wells Fargo will be fine as a company. I mean, they're still doing well with the non-conforming jumbo loans because a lot of the smaller banks don't do those or they're not as competitive on the pricing. Um, so I, I'm gonna I would imagine you're gonna see more of this news coming out of some of these larger banks because. There's a lot of competition. Rocket's making a big push to overtake, and Rocket's another crappy lender. I mean, it's not—they're not any good. They just have the infrastructure and to be able to compete on 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 a high level, and that 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 that's the reason why they're able to take up so much market share. So, what what questions should buyers be asking their lenders? This might be a good way to kind of end this here, um, knowing that there's companies like Wells Fargo that are still out there. You've been through this. I've been through this. What should what should they be asking their lenders and what should they be avoiding if the or is like some red flags they might see when they're when they're interviewing lenders to to do the mortgage app? Well, I think um one important question is going to be like what are their hours? What availability they have? If you're in a pinch and it's Friday at 8 p.m., is anybody going to pick up? Is mm-hmm. um you know, so being clear on working hours <laughs> um and you know, what to expect in terms of response time is pretty important cuz like if you know like all right, when as what X comes in, I'll get back to you within two hours or something like that. Then you're not sitting there wondering the whole time, you know, because when you're in one of those situations, every every minute feels like an hour. Yes. So yeah. um, being clear on as information comes in, like how quickly can I expect a response? What type of time frames are we looking at? Um, I would probably want to know their success rate with um, getting things to to settlement. And, Great question. And, you know read some reviews um, mm-hmm. because pissed off people are some of the first ones that that go in and and write stuff. You know, if you go and if you go and read reviews for people as well as very happy people. So yes. I feel like you get a good you can really get a good feel if you go in and, and kind of read customer testimonials because um, that's going to speak true for for people that went through the process and worked with that individual. Uh, great point. So right now, just as um, 
They have a 3.5 star rating on Nerd Wallet and a 3.8 star rating on Wallet Hub. I don't I don't know what these websites are. Consumer Affairs 3.6. So it seems pretty accurate for what you're saying. So that's really good advice. I love the communication question because that that's the biggest problem. Is no one knows what's going on and you can never get a call back or you get like an email that doesn't answer the questions. Like that that's usually how it works. Like they they send you something that's nonsensical or it's right. hey, we're working on it and it's like no, I need these questions a- answered by when. It, it gets really frustrating. So my advice would be just avoid these guys altogether and go to a local lender. Yeah. I, I I just you get appraisers that are local. That's another issue we didn't even talk about yeah. here. Like That's you're not huge. you're not getting someone from Bucks County coming down to Delaware County to do an appraisal, or from Philadelphia to Chester County or yeah. or, or whatever else. So local lenders typically solve for a lot of these, and th- you know that that to me is where the consumer's going and. You know that that's because they're getting better service. It's not a fragmented a fra- fragmented process. So I, I don't think. I, I think buyers have reacted to this and said, hey, we're not doing business with you anymore. It's been been the biggest thing I've seen. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's important for consumers to know that you can shop around for this. You, yes. you have a say in who your lender is. You mm-hmm. don't just have to. And if you um, spoke to one lender and got like a, you know, a pre-qualification or um, had gone through part of the process with them, that doesn't mean that that's who you have to stick with. Yep. Um, you can, you have time to, to switch over. Um, so you have a say in in what happens next and this does impact the transaction more than you may think it does at the beginning. Well and the way the way things have gone over the past 24 months we'll call it now or however long it's been is that, that there's been a few things. One, it does impact the transaction because everyone is trying to rush to the table and they don't have clear expectations because a lot of lenders just yes you to death and they say okay yeah we'll we'll close in 25 days don't worry about it. We'll close <laughs> next week. It's fine. And they're like oh wait we got a problem. We got a problem and it's it's the classic overpromise underdeliver which just pisses everybody off right. number one. Secondly there, there's so many moving parts. Third you can lose the house if you miss deadlines. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll go one step further in that you know with uh, the the way, the way things have gone with these banks is that Ultimately, I mean, the the, the the buyers just want certainty. They want to know when to plan. They want to know what to expect. And, and for these people that just take orders over the phone, it, it does create a lot of problems. And, and there's no relationship there. You can't get that person on the phone, which in as digital of a world as we've, we've moved into, people still want that personal reaction. They want that, that human reaction. And they, and they want some sort of like physical enhancement, which is one of the things these larger lenders struggle with because they can't get the person on the phone. I mean, I'm not talking like physically meet them because most of the times you don't meet the lender, but right. that interaction where you, you know what's going on, you can ask five questions and handle it in a 10 minute phone call versus having to start all over yeah. with, Hey, so this is my situation and, mm-hmm. and go through the whole story. Yeah. They want accountability. They want to be able to go back to the person that talked to them yesterday mm-hmm. and said, this is the plan and then go from there. Totally agree. And, and then the last point you mentioned about shopping around, what everyone should know is that when you, in Pennsylvania, when you file you have seven days to file your mortgage application in the agreement of sale. Mm-hmm. That's after you execute. You can't shop or even lock in a rate until you have an executed contract. So you can certainly shop around before if you want, but I don't, I don't really see the point because you're not getting real numbers. It's like, well, if the market moves tomorrow, then your rate's going to change. Right. So there's that seven-day window, and you don't want to mess around with that too much because I've seen a lot of people try to outthink the market or maybe hope it goes down. <laughs> My view is lock in when you feel good. Make sure you're making a good decision based on the lender, and look. Ask for a cost sheet or a cost estimate. I don't think it's anything that 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 unreasonable to ask for. Sure. All right, so we're gonna cut it right there, and we got Vince Pagano coming on next. We're gonna talk about real estate taxes, all sorts of important stuff here. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB eight sixty AM.
The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. And we have Vince Pagano here with Pagano and Associates, accountants and advisors out of Chester County. Uh, Vince, thanks for coming on, my friend. Really appreciate you. Yes, yes. thanks for having me. After having to navigate the uh, high security here at WWDB, he made it, made it into the <laughs> studio. So, um, and again, Sarah and I work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And uh, we wanted to have Vince come on for a lot of reasons. Um, one is... People are listening. They may have bought a home last year. They don't know what the tax implications are, the benefits are. Um, we'll get into all that stuff. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, Vince, how you got into uh, you know, accounting and advising and, and just what your business is all about. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Michigan. I went to Michigan State University. Um, that was about 15 years ago now. Um, I practiced public accounting, CPA. Um, I've been doing that for since then. I do taxes, pr- primarily taxes, corporate taxes, business taxes, personal taxes, um, kind of all all of the above. I have a beautiful wife. I have four kids. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Four kids. That's that's like new vehicle territory when you have that many. Oof. Yeah, we had to have an expedition, which that was <laughs> <laughs> wasn't planning on having a car that big when I was younger. That's I got gotcha. you. Sure. <laughs> well, very cool. So. You do a lot of tax returns in public accounting, and I, I think the first question, you know, there, there's people that probably bought a home last year, or they sold a home, and they don't even know, like, what that's going to do for their tax return, and, and I, I, I'm, I get surprised by this every year, because we actually, like, I'll send an email out to our clients, send them their settlement sheet, let them know that, hey, you need to bring this to your accountant when you do your taxes, if not, we can refer you to an accountant, what, what do you recommend for someone in that situation? Like, what, what should they be thinking about if they, they did a real estate transaction in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I guess primarily the settlement sheet. I mean, you there's a lot of pertinent information on there um, as far as real estate taxes paid at closing, um, whether or not you paid points, any origination costs. Um, those things are all deductible. And then obviously, if you don't know, you can ask an accountant, CPA. 
Um, you know, those are the primary things, I guess, to keep in mind. I mean, especially when it's a primary residence. So, yeah, those would be the primary things. Awesome. And, and if you want to get in touch with Vince, his website is paganotax.com. It's P-A-G-A-N-O, tax, T-A-X.com. So, so what are some of the um, tax benefits about owning real estate? Because we, Sarah and I constantly talk about, like, affordability and the, the financial benefits to buying a home just versus, like, renting, for example, from, like, a wealth-building perspective. But I don't think enough people realize that there's a lot of tax benefits involved as well. Well, yeah. I mean, right now there is some limitations on what you sure. can deduct um, as far as a, as a homeowner, but really the primary things are real estate taxes um, paid, which they're capped at ten thousand right now, and then um, your home mortgage interest. So those are those are deductions. And then if I mean, if you're you know if you're somebody who gives to charity or has medical deductions or something like that, you may be able to itemize. Um, so you may actually make out better um, owning a home than than versus renting. Got it. Got it. And and I mean, I think there's even a little more to that because then you, you're, you're paying someone else's mortgage and their taxes. Well, I mean, when you insur- get down to the finances of it, I mean, it really, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make sense not to, you know, not to own a home, really. Very cool. Uh, so, you know, I mean, we, th- this stuff's kind of, I know these are some basic questions, but, w- you know, there, there's been some changes to the tax codes over the past couple years. So what should, like, people getting ready to file for 2021 be thinking about? What's some good practices for them when they're getting ready to file their return? You know, I mean, because a lot of people, they, I, I always classify it like the people that use discount realtors, they're usually the ones that use TurboTax, and they're probably leaving some money on the table in terms of like what they can write off or they're paying too much in taxes. So for someone that maybe has, has done that on their own, they've had a change in income or they own a home or, or something's happened where they really, it's really important they get in touch with an accountant. What are some flags there and what should they be aware of filing their returns? Well, I mean, for this year, the biggest things are, um, you know, the child tax credits, which came out. Um, they're very confusing. A lot of people got advanced payments. So you need to make sure you got a letter from IRS that said how much you received. So you would need that when you file your taxes. That's something new that you would have never seen before. Um, the other thing is is related to the economic inc- impact payments, which are the advance payments, the stimulus payments. So the same thing, you will get a notice from IRS that says how much you receive, so you will need to have that to prepare your tax return. Um, those are some of the main things. And then, you know, as far as new changes, um, you know, there's a new dependent care credit, um, which has been extended for a lot of people. Um, it used to be capped at $1,200. Uh, for 2021, it's actually up up to eight thousand dollars for um, for two children. So, if you had any children that were in daycare or something like that, um, that's something to keep in mind because that credit is has gotten way better for this year. Um, you know those those would be the main things. Um, you know those are the main changes. Um, the other the other thing is is there was a there's a charity deduction. Um, which is allowed to all individuals. So um, usually you have to itemize in order to f- claim charity. But for 2021, there's also a special law where if you're a single pa- taxpayer, you can deduct up to $300. Married, finally joint, you can deduct up to $600. Um, so you got some good deductions there. That's really important to note. Um, what about someone that maybe they, um, they they filed for like mortgage forbearance or like they took advantage of some of the pandemic programs? Are there any tax implications associated with those? I mean, I think this, these are questions that like, I, I, I don't know that people even, 
And maybe maybe there maybe people don't know yet. Well, I mean, as far as tax deductions, I mean, you're not going to really have or, any or tax you're, impacts. Yeah, I, should say. I mean, you're you're only gonna you're only would have a tax impact to that is if it was completely forgiven. So if it Got ends it. up being completely forgiven by the mortgage company, then you would have to pay tax on it, like as if it was income. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't foresee there being any issues other, I mean, other than the fact you lose the deduction, you know, sure. you're not going to have the deduction. And would that be the same for, you know, people that are deferring payments for, let's say student loans? Yeah. Student loan forbearance is, is sort of the same thing. And then, I mean, student loans are very rarely forgiven, but if they are forgiven, they are income as well. Okay. Good to know. So you know, with that, I mean, and, and I think this is the thing everyone kind of deals with, and it's like it's, it's a complicated topic when you're talking about like tax returns and accounting and, and all that. Um, knowing that, uh, that there's, we've seen a lot of investors start to cash out and liquidate their portfolios. Um, Ten thirty one exchanges have been a big topic for, and I don't think and nothing's really happened with them yet. But it's been everyone's like freaking out about like, are they going to get rid of them? Are they not? So if you're you're an investor thinking about liquidating your portfolio you're just kind of sick of it the tenants i mean that, that that's been a, a big pain point for a lot of people because they couldn't get them out of there and they were you know tenants had a lot of protections they basically live in homes for free for over a year what should investors be thinking about if they're selling their properties whether it's a 1031 or just the the, the tax ramifications for them you know yeah i mean well the first thing is is you're you were saying about 1031 exchanges i mean basically a 1031 exchanges you essentially defer the taxes so you basically take any tax gain that you would have made, defer it, roll it into the new property, and then you don't have to pay taxes until you sell that one. Um, it's kind of complicated, but you know it, it. It basically saves you taxes in you know here and now. Um, if you're an investor and you want to cash out, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things to keep in mind. I mean, first of all, um, you know how much money you know have you made with the property? Um, is the property made money? Does it have passive losses? Um, has it lost money throughout the years? Um, like, cause sometimes there's suspended losses. If you make mm -hmm. more than $150,000 and you, and you have a rental property, you may have suspended losses. Um, I'm talking things that you maybe don't know or, you know, but it's, you know, something to keep in mind. Um, and then obviously capital gains. I mean, you're going to have capital gains on the sale. So, you know, you have to pay whatever your tax rate is. So, I mean, for now, it could be 15%, 20%. Um, Pennsylvania is 3%. Um, you know, so you're looking anywhere from 21 to 24% on a sale, depending on if your income, you know, if your income's greater than, you know, 400,000, you're, you're looking more like 27, 28%. So um, those are things to keep in mind. I mean, obviously, you know, when you sell a property, you need to keep in mind, you know, what improvements did you do to the property? You know, do you have the receipts for that? Um, did you depreciate the property for tax purposes? Um, those are all things to keep in mind as well. Um, but essentially, you know, you need to, you know, keep all that, you know, for the cost basis for the, for the property. Now, is there anything out there for investors who had, um, you know, properties, they have renters, and maybe there was a situation where some of their tenants, because of, you know, different, uh, Things that were put out there over the past year maybe didn't make all of their payments and they they lost money on um, what they should have been getting from their for rent. Yeah, you mean as far as like a deduction for them not paying you rent? Yeah. Um, I wish there was something like that. <laughs> I mean, essentially the government says, you know, sorry, you know, I mean, yeah. you'll most likely have a loss on the property, so you know, hopefully you get to take advantage of that on your tax return. Okay. 
um, or get take it take advantage of it at some point. Um, but yeah, that would be the only thing really. Okay, interesting. So you know, I mean, what I'm what I'm really hearing here is that if you're thinking about doing anything like that, like you've, you've got to talk to your accountant or an accountant. I mean, so it, what other things have you seen people kind of get jammed up by where they probably could have gotten advice and saved money on taxes, but it didn't happen? Because I know there's been clients that have come to me and said, "Well, I'm selling this property," and I said, "Okay, did you talk to your accountant?" They said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and then they said, "Well, I didn't, I didn't know about this 1031 exchange, or I didn't know about this." So what what are some of the common mistakes you see people make that? they maybe incur a large tax liability because they didn't do enough pre-planning. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, everybody's kind of guilty of this. You know, you, you kind of, you know, you kind of do something and react after afterwards. I mean, I guess I would say just like with anything, um, you'd want to consult, you know, your accountant or consult somebody before you make the, a transaction like that. But let's just say you don't. Um, you know, ways to mitigate it would maybe, you know, if you had, you know, for example, in, in you know, you had a, a large capital gain on a sale of a real estate transaction, you know, if you had capital losses in, you know, stock, for example, you could sell your stock and offset the loss, or you could, you know, try to find another strategy. Obviously, it'd have to be before year end, but, sure, you know, you would want to talk to somebody right away if you did. Um, now we're in 2022, so if you did a transaction in 21, we're we're too late. But you know, it's something to think about going into this year. So, how, like, so I know I know this time of year, like accountants, like it's like don't even talk to me until April 15th. Like we're kind of right at the beginning of that. So I, I appreciate you coming on. And again, Vince's website it's paganotax.com. It's p-a-g-a-n-o-t-a-x.com. Um, so when when you're someone's got these things coming up or they're self-employed. And we talked a lot about this. Vince was gracious enough to come to our team retreat. What are some of the things those people need to be thinking about? Maybe it's they're, they're getting started in a new job or they're in a real estate commission-based job, right? Uh What are some of the things people need to be thinking about there? So they're not caught having this huge tax liability at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, obviously talk to an accountant would be one thing to do. Um, I mean, you sound another, like us. <laughs> talk to a realtor. <laughs> you know, another thing to do would be, you know, to go through your um, your transactions through the year. Um, you know, helpful things are credit card statements, things like that. Um, a lot of the credit card statements now, they categorize most of your expenses for you. So if you're self-employed, I would start there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe go through your bank account, depending on how many transactions you did there. Um, you know, and things to keep in mind, you know, mileage, um, you know, how many miles did you drive your vehicle? Um, you know, maybe you could also deduct a home office. Um, you know, even if you're renting, so even if you rent from somebody else, you can deduct a home office. Um, you know, obviously for realtors, their dues, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, but those would be the main things. And then, you know, I mean, if you had any, you know, any other travel or anything like that or meals or, you know, things like that, um, those would be the main things. Okay. And then, so it brought up another question uh, that I had, and, and Sarah, feel free to jump in here. I, I don't want to do all the talking. So um, folks that are, that they're, they're, you know, because we still have the, the deadline to like put away for retirement and, and do those sort of things. So what, what are some of the recommendations you have for people that want to save for retirement and kind of take, take advantage of some of the tax benefits there, if you could explain that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I guess whether or not you're self-employed, but I mean, if you work for somebody, I mean, really you only got whatever they're going to provide you. I guess you could do an IRA or something like that on the side. Um, But yeah, if you're self-employed, I mean, obviously you could do a traditional IRA, which you can do up to six grand a year now. Um, You could also, if you're very ambitious, you could set up what's called a a, a 401k or solo K. Um, If you're a, you know, you're an an only owner, like C schedule. So basically a self-employed owner, 
you can open one of those and you can put up to 20 grand a year away into there. You can also do a profit sharing as well um, into that. Um, the other option would be like a SEP plan, mm-hmm. which those are just merely just based off of profits. Um, those are really your main, I mean, there's some couple other ones, but those are the main ones people use now. I mean, the individual K is really the way you can put the most money away, um, being self-employed at this point, um, that, that we've, we've found. So if you don't really know how much you can afford to be setting aside or how much, you know, you should be setting aside, would the best thing to do be kind of bring you, you know, your your year's end, what you made over the course of the last year, and then have you kind of guide on what to what to do next or what would be the most beneficial? Well, I mean, that would be great if you had all the money saved. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, the problem is that people we'll get to the end. in a second. Keep well, going. that's the problem is that people get to the end of the year and they don't have money. You know, they barely have, the, you know, they're lucky if they have the money to pay the taxes, let alone, you know, to make a, a you know, a contribution. So, I mean, I've found like what I usually try to coach my clients is is to try to make a habit out of it. So, you know, even if it's two hundred or two fifty a month or whatever it is, just have it automatically come out of your account right. at least to start. Yeah. Um. You know, and then you know if you get the habit of doing that, then maybe you can do larger chunks or you know maybe set up a larger fund or you know do something like that. And to avoid that, you know shock for the the year payment there for your your taxes if you are all uh, you know commission based. Um, is the recommendation to be doing four payments throughout the year? Yeah, I mean that would be ideal. I mean at least at least a couple. I mean I you know I I try to tell my clients to do four, but I mean at least if you can get two or three, and it's a lot better than you know getting hit at the end of the year with all of it. Um, so there isn't like a rule in place though that you have to be doing four. Well, there is, the there is a rule. I mean you're you know if you don't pay enough in, they can penalize you. So I okay. mean yep. there is a possibility of getting a penalty, but usually they're happy to get as long, like if they're getting their money, they're like all right. <laughs> usually they're happy to get their money. They're they're just not happy when they're not getting their money. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's a great that's a great point um and and the reason we were all kind of laughing and and well I, the reason i want to bring this up is a lot of realtors if you're a realtor listening you better start having a tax plan like if you're new to the business and and you know vince came in and talked to our team about this we're going to be setting it up for our new agents that are coming on and that's just an example of some of the resources we have so if you're thinking about getting into the industry check out real estate scholarship program.com how many times have you seen a realtor come to you and be like, I didn't pay any taxes last year. I blew all my money or I spent it all. Like, th- I, this is a more common problem than people think. Yeah, all the time. All the time. You're lucky if they have the receipts too, though. Like, usually they yep. don't have any receipts. They don't know their expenses. They don't know what they paid and they don't have any money left. So it's it's like the worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah. I, so how do, let's say that that case comes across <laughs> your desk in the next couple weeks here. I'm sure it's going to happen. What kind of coaching do you have for that person? I mean, you talked a little bit about it, but I want to get really specific because I found this is like a very industry-specific problem, but maybe in general with people that are commission-based. Yeah, I mean, I think in general with people who are self-employed, I mean, usually, you know, the best thing you can do is set up, you know, some sort of accounting software. So, I mean, if it's QuickBooks, I mean, I'll plug QuickBooks because it's easy, Mm -hmm. but they have QuickBooks self-employed, like you just hook your account, you know, you hook your bank account up to it and- you really just categorize your transactions. So it's like a big checkbook, essentially. Um, so, I mean, that's something you can use, you know, I would say to start there. Um, you know, as far as mileage, keeping track of mileage, I mean, they make apps for that now, too. They have Mileage IQ. I'll plug them. Um, you know, I mean, that's something you can just put on your cell phone and you can do it while you're driving. So, you you know, things that you don't have to think about. Um, you know, the other thing is, is, is um, you know, getting a, a business credit card or just a strictly business credit card. 
Um, you put all your business transactions there, and then at the end of the year, you can just, you know, print out the year-end summary that tells you, you know, mm-hmm. what you spent. Um, those would be some things that I'd start out telling them, you know, you need to do this, this, this right away. I mean, and it makes your life so much easier. Now, would you say a solid plan is every time you get a commission check, you Venmo 25% of it to your husband, who then puts it into the uh, little tax uh, account and and sends it off. And then I also have a little spreadsheet that I just mark down my expenses on. Yeah, I think 25% is probably good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that seems good. Are you asking for a friend, Sarah, or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, just, just asking for a friend. So, I, I, well, I, I, you bring up a couple good points. And, and when it comes to the business credit card, if you get, I mean, there's a lot of them out there that, I mean, you can get like unlimited 2% cash back. You can get a lot of benefits with them. And it's just an easy way to keep track of it so you're not thinking about it. So, we, we've got like four or five minutes left here. So, what kind of, you know, accounting advice do you have for people that are listening? And you, our audience is typically like real estate consumers, people interested in real estate. Or anything else we should know about you and your firm here? Because we, we covered a lot. I feel, I feel like we this was like a almost like a police line up here with all the questions we asked. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess any other things that we didn't cover, um, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess just specifically, and you know, we did talk a little bit about the child tax credits. Yep. But just to go back over them, I mean, anybody who made less than one hundred and fifty thousand, um, you know, you would qualify for those. So for the increased credits, just for twenty twenty one. So. If you have any children that were from age six to seventeen, it's three thousand dollars. Any kids under age six, it's it's thirty six hundred dollars. So you would have actually received half of those payments up front, assuming the government did it properly. In your case, you should have received half of those up front, and then you'll get the other half when you file your taxes. So that's why I brought up about the letter, making sure you have the letter, because the letter does kind of outline that and you need that to do your tax return. Um, just some other things. I mean, I guess we talked about, you know, sales of homes. Mm-hmm. So one thing to keep in mind, um, when you sell your home, so if you were in your home, um, for two of the last five years and you made it your primary residence, you qualify for an exclusion. So if you're a single individual, it's $250,000 capital gain exclusion. If you're married, finally joined, it's $500,000 exclusion. And that's not on the sales price. That's on on, on the gain. So if you so, bought so what something, does that mean? yeah. So if you bought something for five hundred thousand and you sell it for a million, and you're married, filing yeah. joint, you you don't you're not going to pay any taxes on that. You're gonna you know the five hundred thousand will be tax free. That I mean that that's a great point because a lot of people don't realize that, and that's one thing like we have to advise folks on all the time because that's one of the forms they'll sign at settlement is this is true. The gain is less than this. I'm married. The ten ninety nine exemption form. So that's a really great point. Um, I mean, is that something you feel like people just don't even know about when they, I mean, it, it just seems like a lot of this stuff, like you'd think people would know, but I found that in our business and probably yours too, is that most people have no idea. Yeah. I mean, unless you do it every day, I mean, there's just a lot of people that don't know, unless you deal with real estate or, you know, you're dealing with the, you know, the consumers like that, you're not going to, they're not going to know. They just don't know. Well, that's why we have you on, man. So this is great. <laughs> so anything else you want to add here? We got about a minute and a half left and Sarah, you got any other questions? Um, I guess for as you're getting all of your accounts together and you're getting ready to go to your accountant, um, for different write-offs, if you have everything in you know a spreadsheet and documented, like categorized, do you also want um, somebody to be bringing in the receipts or 
Yeah, the receipts are for you. So I okay. would just tell anybody that when they go to see their account and their account doesn't want the receipts, at least most accounts don't. I mean, they don't I want you showing up with a shoebox uh, no, filled I... with all your receipts from the year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would I would take your, I mean, let's put it this way. The account's going to take your word for it, assuming, right. you know, you have the spreadsheet. And then those receipts are just in case you get audited. I mean, gotcha. that's all they're for. And you should keep those for at least, you know, four to seven years, they tell you now. So if you're self-employed. Okay. So, so make it seven, play it safe. You can find Vince. We're getting played out here. It's like the Oscars. It's PaganoTax.com, P-A-G-A-N-O Tax.com. Vince, thanks for coming on. Really informative segment. Thanks for having me. You want to follow Sarah? She's on Instagram. It's at Ty underscore Ty Time, T-Y underscore T-Y-T-I-M-E. You can follow me at TomTool, 3RD at TomTool, 3rd on Instagram. You can follow the show, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Just Google TomTool Sales Group. And we'll be back next week. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.